This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Pride of London podcast, part of the fan-sided podcast network. Please welcome your hosts, Gabe Henderson and Travis Tyler. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into today's episode of the Pride of London podcast. I'm your host, Gabe Henderson, and I'm joined by my co-editor, Travis Tyler. Um, I'm just going to get this off my chest. First of all, I do sound sick. No, I don't have COVID. I've been tested six times over the last week. Uh, That's the glory of international travel. And I'm just here today because the Premier League made me carry on. So here we are, Travis. Good to be back, and I guess we'll start with the elephant in the room is our thoughts on the whole uh, COVID situation in the Premier League, so the floor is yours. Yeah, and I mean, like me and you already had this whole debate earlier this morning, so I'll just give the bullet points here. I understand people are into this whole campaign against Chelsea thing, but, you know, we're this far into the pandemic, like, we know how we're supposed to act with it. We know what we're supposed to do. And clearly somewhere along the line, someone didn't do that. And, you know, if the Premier League could talk about like, oh, we have a 97% vaccination rate like NBA can, maybe this would be a different conversation, but it's like 60%. So a lot of them are just not getting it, even though they've been offered it for a very long time. So to me, all these people missing for COVID you know, in a week where we got two days off to rest, like something has gone on here that shouldn't have gone on. And, you know, there's a whole lot of factors into that. But, you know, at the end of the day, the lineup we were able to field today had was definitely strong enough that we had no real reason to postpone this game. Like, yeah, we weren't able to name a full bench, but, you know, we had four outfielders on the bench. We could have put some kids on the bench, but we didn't. You know, if we showed this lineup to the Premier League and was like, we, we can't do this, they would have laughed at us. We, we had enough to play. So I don't know what's going on at other clubs. I don't know why those other games got postponed. But we didn't really have much of an excuse. The only excuse we could have had is as soon as the Premier League saw more than three games were getting postponed, they should have just canceled the match day. But from our point of view, we have enough decisions on our own. We have done – we have made choices on our own that have got us to this point. And all the players were concerned about, you know, they're not fit enough to play. They still got selected. You know, you didn't have to declare them fit enough to play, but they got picked anyway. So there's enough of this on us that I feel like we didn't really have much of an argument to go off of here. Yeah, you know, and I know you and I agree on – we disagree on the little things, but we agree on the main point, which is once X amount of games got canceled in the league, they should have just called it off. Um, I'm not necessarily going to jump headfirst into it and agree with Thomas Frank and saying that, oh, if we postpone this weekend's games, everything will be okay because that's just not how it works. Um, Someone did mess up somewhere – there is a problem now in the Premier League with all these things. I think where it hurts most, though, isn't necessarily in the depth, although we'll jump into that in a little bit. I think it's in the preparation. You know, um, like Tuchel said, he had to just kind of throw these guys. He's known for the last few days that Conte was going to have to start. He even teased at Kovacic starting, which he didn't end up doing. It was Chalaba. But um, I, I think it's the preparation, you know, like against Everton. we went into that game without a recognized striker. So I think just not knowing who's going to be there and who's not, because we did have four consecutive days at the club where people tested positive. So you're having to throw these guys like Kovacic in there who hasn't played in two months and he played today. He played well, but it's just not something you plan for. Um, So I think the uncertainty of it all is really where it affects this team. And I I get what you're saying in terms of, you know, we had a strong team and that should be enough. And realistically, yeah, it should. But I I think what people want is a level playing field. And it's not just against Chelsea. It's against every team that's playing right now. You know, Um, it's not necessarily fair to them. Uh, I, I was talking to someone about this the other day. 
is now you're going to look at the Man United to the world and they're going to be heading into February with like three, four or five games in hand on everybody. So it's, it's kind of an advantage knowing which games you can and can't prioritize based on how all of your opponents have played. So, you know, I mean, I hate that whole argument where, oh, you have one or two games in hand. It's what it is. But when you have when you start getting into three, four, five games in hand, that really becomes an advantage for you in that way. So I think it's just, you know, um, like I said, we disagree on the little things. But when it comes down to it, the Premier League has really fumbled the bag here in the fact that they only set a precedent after postponing four or five games and they're just not being consistent everywhere and canceling games for everybody because realistically that's what needs to happen right now. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for the idea of if a team has an outbreak and they can't field a team, it's a forfeit. Like the show goes on, that team loses their chance to get three points. The other team gets them like, just move on. But yeah, the Premier League absolutely should have just looked at this weekend and said, let's just let's just go off until after Christmas. And because there is a break put in for teams that quote unquote winter break, you know, you could just shuffle that back earlier if needed. Right. Yeah, you know, it, it really does get into muddy waters when you consider the fact that Chelsea's still alive in five competitions, you know, in a month and a half time, we're going to be traveling to, I think it's in Abu Dhabi now for the club world cup. And, you know, we just, we don't know what's going to go on with that. So we've got that. We've got to go to France for the champions league. We've got to travel here, there. And, you know, like Thomas Tuchel said, and for people who don't know, um, Chelsea did ask for today's game, which we'll touch on more in a little bit to be canceled just because of the circumstances, you know, you've got, the premier league instituting all of these COVID rules at training grounds and all that, but then the players are spending three or four hours at a time in close proximity to one another in a bus. And, you know, um, you mentioned the overall statistic earlier that uh, like 60% or 59% of all EFL players are double vaxxed, which, um, we're not going to sit here and assume who is and who isn't at each club. But the fact of the matter is, is you have to be more consistent when it comes to all of that. Yeah. I mean, we, we obviously don't know who has what, but like I said, we're, we're so far into this pandemic and if only 60% of premier league footballers, even if at Chelsea, it's a higher number, like, it's absolutely an issue when they've had access to it since pretty much before anyone, they've been the most protected of almost anyone, you know, getting constant tests, making sure they're safe and all that. Like, I mean, it goes back to that whole like Joshua Kimmich stuff where he was just adamant. He wasn't going to get the vaccine until Ryan Munich said, okay, we're not going to pay you until you do. And, you know, now all of a sudden he's changed his mind. Like, I'm sick of having to wear a mask in places. And the only way we're going to get through this is if we just do what we need to do. And there's so many people that are just, you know, they're just trying to assume things are normal again and they're not normal and they won't be normal until we, you know, deal with this stuff. Yeah. You know, I think the most frustrating part to that point is the fact that we are 18 months or whatever we are into this whole thing. And the Premier League is still sitting here scrambling. Like, they don't have a plan for this. Um, they have a TV plan. They're going to stagger all the games and close the doors again if need be. But they don't have a plan for individual clubs and players. You know, they, they just acted like um, like one of the ignorant people who were walking around in public just refusing to get vaccinated or wear a mask and all that. Like, they just assumed it was all fine and dandy when it's really not, you know, we've seen over the last week, how quickly things can change. You know, we were sitting here a week ago, we were recapping the Leeds match. Well, you were, I was on a flight, but we were sitting here recapping the Leeds match and everything was fine and dandy. You know, the only player that we had with COVID was Mateo Kovacic and we thought it was an isolated incident. And here we are a week later and the world's been turned upside down again. So 
I think it's just a real lack of leadership from the Premier League. Um, but, you know, enough about all of that. I know, uh, obviously, you said you're, you're sick of it, and I think we're, we're all sick of it at this point. So, um, like Jurgen Klopp said, just, just get the damn vaccine. I don't think it's that hard. Um, we all want to enjoy away days, and we, all, we just want to enjoy the game that we love. So, um, I'm just tired of debating all of it and just wondering who's going to be playing for us and who's going to not. So to that point, we've got a few matches to recap and we were without some key players in these matches. So, um, I know you didn't necessarily have a bunch of time to see the Everton game, but I knew, uh, I know you have some thoughts on it. So, um, I'll just, you know, just kind of go through the general points. I thought we played really well throughout the game. Um, we played without a recognized striker. So our front three, I believe, starting was the same that we saw today. It was Pulisic as the false nine, Ziyech at left wing, and Mount on the right wing. And, you know, once again, it was one of those games where Mason Mount had to come to the rescue for Chelsea. And he's done that the last few weeks. And he's really stepped up and gotten back in form. But he can't do it every game. Um, he got the decisive goal, I think, in the 70th minute. And then we turn around and concede a sloppy free kick and really bad marking on it. And we gave up that lead four minutes later and we just failed to find a winner. So um, I thought we played well against Everton, but it was the same old story for Chelsea. It was missed chances, which I think you can attribute to the, the lack of a striker in that game. But at the same point or at the same time, that's an Everton team that you really needed to beat. That that Everton team was bad. They didn't have some key guys like Calvert Lewin, Richarlison, Luca Dean. I mean, they were Jordan Pickford kept him in that game, but they were essentially a bunch of backups and kids playing against us. So, um, what what thoughts do you have on the match? Yeah, I mean, looking at who started and thinking to the Wolves game, we had two changes. <laughs> Only the two midfield players changed. And, you know, I saw the chances created, the XG for uh, the Everton match. It was insane. It was huge. So, you know, if you're changing only two center mids and there's such a drop-off in performance, like, I mean, that's that's a whole other issue. But uh, like you said, Everton was really weakened. And they've been there for the taking for everybody. So, you know. Honestly, at some point, we just need to admit, like, it's not injuries or, or anything else that's hurting us. It's that we're just generally awful right now. Like, we can make all the excuses we want, but at the end of the day, we're, we are just not playing as well as we could be. You know, we can create all these chances and not score off of them. That's a problem, and that's been a problem for a really long time. Uh, until, you know, just playing Wolves today, we weren't able to keep a clean sheet to save our lives. Um. Yeah, so, I mean, there's really no excuse to have not beaten Everton with the numbers we put up or even the team that we put up. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, they were there for the taking. This was a weak Everton side. Yeah, and I think part of that, um, going back to the changes, is the fact that we really don't have um, the ability to change much. But I don't really think we needed to change much, you know, against Everton. The fact of the matter is we let Everton into that game. Yes, Jordan Pickford was standing on his head throughout. But like you said, you saw the XG. It was like, I mean, I'm just barreling it off of memory here. It was like 3.5 to 0.5 or something like that. It was unbelievable. We created some really good chances and we played really well throughout. But, you know, we've lost that ability. And I think this is always the one thing that I will pin on title contenders is if you really want to be a title contender, you have to um, lace up your boots and you have to go take the game to your opponent late in the match. You know, the perfect example, and I was thinking about this throughout the game today is Liverpool a few weeks ago at Wolves. They didn't do enough or in the first 94 minutes and they got five minutes of added time. And in that 95th minute, they went and scored. Um, and it, it was just, it was frustrating to watch as an opposing fan, but you know, that's what makes 
title contenders, real title contenders. And I don't think we have that right now. Um, there were a bunch of weak shots. We created some really good chances. We played fluid. You know, we saw that defensive, um, I guess, discipline is the word I'm looking for against Everton. You know, it was just a silly free kick that we gave away. And then everyone switched off for one second. So it was more like the Burnley game than like, say the West Ham or the Leeds game where we just were letting in goals for fun. And as frustrated as we've been with Antonio Brudiger lately, I think he's done a good job over the last two games of staying back. Um, So, yeah, it was just it was really frustrating to watch, uh, especially because they were so good, you know. And like Tuchel said, we were unlucky. And at some point, you just you don't have an answer for why we're dropping points. So I really don't think there's a clear cut answer as to why we drop points against Everton, because we really only played poorly for that span of thirty seconds when they scored their goal. Yeah, but that's really all it takes. You know, this, this concentration issue that we have that for whatever reason, as soon as December comes and we just start making these little slip ups, I don't understand it. I don't know if like if we just start seasons like really hot, just, you know, pushing and pushing and hurt, uh, really going at other teams. And then by December, we're just gassed. Or, you know, if we get to December and we're in a title race and we start thinking to ourselves, well, we've made it. And we just start taking these little things for granted. I mean, this is a game of mistakes. Just one little mistake can completely change the result. If if that goal today had been offside, I mean, been onside, you know, we lose against Wolves. So, I mean, it just takes one, one little thing. And for whatever reason, we just always have that one little thing throughout December. Now, I know you've been on um... – on this train for the entire season, because, you know, obviously we talk about it a lot. And I guess this is the one question I have for you is, do you think it's a, the curse of December, um, why we're playing bad. Do you think it comes down to the expected goals finally coming back and biting us because we've obviously outperformed our XGL season, or do you think it's something else or a mix of, all three. I'm just intrigued to hear your thoughts on this because we all have our own thoughts, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it, we we definitely were over exceeding what our expected goals were supposed to be, which, you know, typically if you're in the title race, if you're a legitimate contender for the title, you're going to be over over exceeding your numbers. Like it's almost always the case that the top two or three teams are just overdoing what they're supposed to be doing. And then fourth place is usually the team that's basically where they're supposed to be. So I, I think that's part of it. I mean, we can't ignore the injury stuff. I don't think Ben Chilwell coming out alone is what's caused us to collapse. But, you know, it doesn't help when it's Chilwell and then it's Timo Lukaku and now we don't have a midfield. And, like, it's just these things are piling up even before this whole COVID stuff started, these things were piling up and, you know, we've had to work around that in ways that we probably shouldn't have, but, you know, some of it's on Tuchel too. I mean, three, four, three, one is champions league. Absolutely. But it doesn't, nothing's going to work forever. No, no tactic, no formation is going to work forever. And when we're leaving just Tiago Silva at the back, and Rudiger and Osvaldo or whoever's beside him are just running in the midfield and leaving him alone. Yeah, we're going to concede counter goals. Absolutely. And if if we're not able to keep the clean sheets like we used to, well, we haven't really ever had what we needed to on the other end to score goals. I mean, for very brief periods of time under Duke, we have looked like a very attacking goal scoring team, and the rest of the time we've been winning by like a goal or two that a defender or somebody scores because our defense has been so good to keep us on a clean sheet. So it's just a lot of little things that I think are coming together. And yeah, I don't know what happens in December. Like I said, I don't know if it's just a mentality thing and we get to December and we think that we're just going to breeze through it. Or if we start too hot and then we get fatigued, I don't really know what happens, but it's happened every single 
December since Conte won the title. And that's ridiculous. So something needs to be fixed there. Like if we need to get a sports psychologist to start spreading some Christmas joy or something, do that because this isn't working. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the great anomalies in all of sport is why Chelsea just turns off in December. And, you know, we've alluded to many different things, we being Chelsea fans, not us in particular, over the years, and it's been, well, it's the manager. Well, you can look at it and say, well, we've had Conte, Sarri, Lampard, now Tuchel. So it's obviously not going to be the manager. He's not the problem. And then we look at, well, it's our core group of players. Well, we've moved on from the Hazards and Williams and Cahills and Fabregas's of the world. And now we've got a whole different core and we're still struggling. So I genuinely, yeah, I don't know what it is, but I, I agree with you in the sense that I think right now the problems are bigger than just one thing. You know, can we look at the last two matches and say they probably should not have been played? Absolutely. Can we look at the injuries and say Ben Chilwell is the reason that we are not playing as well? Absolutely. Can we look at Kovacic's absence? Can we look at the strikers' absences? Yes. Can we look at Tuchel's um, managerial mistakes, which we've seen a lot? Yes. Um, So it's just, I I don't know what it's just all of those things snowballing and uh, overperforming our expected goals. Yes. So you know, it, it's just a pile of things that are just coming back to bite us. And I think if we are really title contenders, we will overcome those. So um, I just just wanted to go into that real quick and talk about that. You know, um, a lot of people don't expect us to be title challengers now after the Wolves game. Um, I know you and I have talked about it. Uh, I think. I think it's a little premature to say we're out of the title race and back into the race for top four. Um, We are dead in the middle right now, I believe. I think we're six points above Arsenal in fourth, and I think we're six points behind City in first. So I think it's a little premature to say we're out of the title race. We have games early next month against City and Liverpool, but at the same time, if we don't turn the ship around in the next few days, we are going to have a major problem and we will find ourselves in a top four race. So, you know, I think one of the important things going into this year was we wanted a title race, but we didn't just want a title race to start the year. We wanted to be in the title at the turn of the new year in March and April. And we wanted to be right up there with a chance to win And obviously, you know, we saw Frank Lampard saying that was too much of an expectation on this team. But once we signed Lukaku, you know, the the switch flipped and we became real title contenders. So the fact of the matter is we haven't played like title contenders lately, but we are not down and out yet because we've seen over the last few weeks how quickly things can change. It's just hard when you've got the Man Cities and Liverpools of the world who are absolutely ruthless. Yeah, I mean, look, looking at Arsenal right now, their goal difference is, I mean, everyone else is in the league's goal difference is just on a whole nother deviation from ours. We've got plus 27, they got plus four. So to me, that implies that we're at least going to get top three if we don't just absolutely mess it up here going forward. But yeah, I mean, City and Liverpool, they're ahead of us. City's only six points ahead of us. That's that's definitely doable in the next uh, 20 games. And luckily for us, we don't have to wait too long to play either of them because we play both of them back-to-back in the Premier League in January. So basically, if we want to be in the title race, those are must-wins. Pretty much all of January is going to be a must-win at this point. Uh, just to you know, keep pace with them and – we need to cover some of that ground that we lost to them in other matches. I mean, obviously we've been terrible since the Juventus match and we shouldn't look away from that, but it is only a six point gap. And by the end of January, if we beat city and Liverpool, we could very easily be right back at the top. So I don't think it's time to panic because of the table. I think it's, we should panic more because of the performances we're seeing. 
but we can definitely flip this around. And, you know, once players start coming back from injuries, once we can get around, you know, slapping together a midfield, then I think we probably rebound a little bit. We just need to get over whatever funk we're currently in. Yeah, for sure. So with that, um, let's go ahead and talk about the Wolves match. So I just want to hear some of your initial thoughts Um, on the game overall. We'll dive into specifics after we hit on these initial points. So I guess what did, what did you make of today's nil nil draw against wolves? Yeah. I mean, first of all, like I said, I think the lineup was strong enough to beat wolves or at least give wolves a go. Um, And people will say, well, you know, Chalaba is not really a midfielder. Ballistic's not really a striker. Our front three is supposed to be this fluid thing, allegedly. So I don't really buy the whole argument of Pulisic can't play up top when, you know, they're all supposed to work in tandem. Not that any of our front three did anything today. Let's just get that one out of the way. Um, I mean, Chalaba's played midfield before, so I don't think it's a big leap to say he's able to do it for us. And, but I mean, really our issue is the same issue that it's been. It's just, we're almost like trying too hard to make a goal happen. And we just leave Silva all alone for these counters. And, you know, like I said earlier, if, if that had been an onside goal, this is a totally different story because Wolves created that chance a few times. And, you know, Silva was able to deal with it. Some of the times when Rudiger and Osby remembered they were defenders, they were able to help him. And for everything else, Mindy was there to make saves, but you know, this is a, a problem we keep seeing is we're getting hit on these counters because our defenders are pushing so far away from Silva to help the attack that, you know, we're just weakening ourselves. And we're not even really making a good attack. You know, Mount, Ziyech, Pulisic, I can't really remember any of them having any good moments. Pulisic had that one through ball on goal that he couldn't really get off. But, you know, Mount and Ziyech, I, I couldn't tell you anything they did. So the first half was poor, and surprisingly, Saul came on at halftime and kind of helped get control of the game back. You know, he was going in and out of the defense, but he was also kind of controlling stuff from deep. So, you know, it was was definitely a game um, that he stood out in, in a good way for once. yeah, about the whole second half, the only real thing I can say is I at least saw the effort to try to get a result, which I've struggled to see in other matches as of late. Um, and that's not new for Chelsea either in December. Once things start getting hard, it just seems like we go through the paces until the match ends. But in this one, it at least felt like we tried. You know, N'Golo Conte was everywhere. He was making these runs and behind, like, if anyone was going to score, it was probably going to be him. And if we had played like that the whole match, maybe we're not talking about our first 0-0 since Brighton back in April. Yeah, you know, I think there's some important points in there. And a lot of fans are obviously going to be upset. You know, you touched on it and everyone else on Twitter overreacted to it. Uh, Pulisic, Ziyech, and Mount did not play well. As a front three, I honest to God did not know Ziyech was playing. I woke up 15 minutes before the match. Didn't really get to see the lineup. Got me a break because honestly, I expected it to be suspended, but that's a whole different story. Um, honest to God, didn't know Ziyech was on the pitch until the 40th minute. He was an absolute passenger, which is is a shame. And, you know, a lot of people are going to criticize Tuchel for that selection um, to them. I would say a, Tuchel didn't really have any options. And B, that front three played quite well against Everton. Um, Ziyech probably had his best game this season against Everton. And Mount was okay. He did get the goal. Um, Pulisic as a false nine is just an awkward fit. I think under normal circumstances, it might be able to work. But the way that we've been playing... It's just, it it hasn't worked. He can't play with his back to goal, and that's how he's been used. I think, you know, as you mentioned, he got through on goal once earlier. I think that's how he needs to play. You need to play fluid when he's there, and I don't think Wolves is the team to do that against. Um, As it relates to the back three, you know, I know you've written articles on it. I know I've written articles on it. 
the lack of concentration or just disregard for tactics by the left center back, whoever it is, and the right center back, whoever that may be, over the last few weeks has been one of the problems with our defense. That's the reason we haven't kept a clean sheet until today since the Juventus match. You can look at it and say, yes, it's been chill well, but it's also Antonio Rudiger being in the box and winning two penalties against Leeds. Was I thrilled that it happened? Absolutely. Should it ever happen? No. Not a chance that your center back should be winning you two penalties. So to that point, though, I think we've we've still seen flashes, as you mentioned earlier, um, as we did today for a little bit. But I think less so in the second half. And against Everton, we really played a more solid defensive game. Um, so I think maybe it it clicked in their head. I don't know if Tuku gave him a run around. I don't. I don't know what clicked there. I'm not behind the scenes at Calvin, but it looks like something has clicked with that defense. So maybe we'll start seeing clean sheets soon. Um, I think to that point, though, we are a better team when we're defensively stable. You know, I'll take a nil-nil draw every day over a 3-2 game, you know, because that's just not sustainable. But if you solidify the defense, that's how the Champions League run started last year. So it looks like Tuchel's done something. And like you said, that second half was really good. And I know this is something we haven't mentioned on the podcast, but we briefly mentioned it um, when we were talking about the match earlier, and especially in the second half once Mateo Kovacic came on for Hakim Ziyech, which was really good to see. I, I love Mateo Kovacic. I've always been a fan of his. Everyone knows that. And he's been one of our players of the season this year. So it's good to see him back after two months. Um, but once he did that, we switched to a three, four, one, two, or a three, five, two, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think that's really the formation that Tuka wants to play. We just haven't had a chance to yet. So, um, I think, do you think that's the reason we played better in the second half? I guess that's where I was going with that. Um, I mean, I really, I I really think so coming on and you know, solidifying how we played out of the back helped a lot, especially because he was dropping, you know, into the back. So Silva wasn't as alone as he was before. So um, I definitely think we, we had a very, very brief spell where everyone was fit. And that was when Tuchel was using three, five, two, and it was super brief. And, you know, it was like, right up until Lukaku and Werner got injured. And then we went back to 3-4-3, and we haven't really got, gotten away from it. I, I think 3-5-2 is his plan for this current team. And it, it's hard to describe it, but basically when it's when Nagelsmann does it, he does it because it's able to create this pendulum at the back that's better able to deal with situations around the pitch without sacrificing your – numbers and you know it, it probably does benefit both Lukaku and Timo Werner who you know Lukaku's best form of his life came at in Milan when he had a strike partner Timo Werner's best form of his life came at Leipzig when he had a strike partner uh so it's just about you know getting everyone in a place where they're comfortable and beyond that I think it it'll make us more vertical than we currently are you know if you're going to play three at the back, you almost have to be vertical. You have to get the ball forward quickly enough that you can use your advantages while you still have them as advantages. But far too often, we just we get forward too slowly, and then we're stuck in this passing pattern because we don't naturally have enough bodies forward like you would in a 4-3-3 or any four-at-the-back formation. So you have to be quick, and 3-5-2 kind of forces you to be quicker. You know, Pulisic's run in behind came after we made that formation switch today. So you might sacrifice a little bit of control, a little bit of possession, but you're trading that with – you're going to create more clear-cut chances, and that's probably what we need more of now. And, you know, if we're able to ever get everyone fit again, I I really do think that's probably Tuchel's plan for this team. I agree. And I think um, a lot of those great points. And I think that's where we are trying to get, you know, we saw it 
in the Zenit match, I believe, when we had Werner and Lukaku both firing, they were on the score sheet that day. So I think the plan is with both of them to do that. And I think the one thing that it also does, and this goes back to um, the Wolves match and what we talked about with guys like Ziyech and Pulisic, um, the fact of the matter is our wingers are not consistent. We aren't good enough to We, we be, don't really have wingers at all. Yeah, is exactly. Real issue. And I think that's one of the benefits of the 3-5-2 is the fact that you can sit someone like Mason Mount or Kai Havertz or even Hakim Ziyech, you know, when he played in that three diamond three against uh, Juventus, that was another great performance of his. I think all of those three would benefit from playing centrally in behind that striking partnership. So, and then even deeper, you have someone like Mateo Kovacic who can um, bring the ball up the pitch and pick out those runs. So I think that that's why it benefits us the most because we have the quote unquote wingers who are really inconsistent. And I think Blank centrally gets the best out of them in that sense. Yeah. I mean, realistically, the only player it kind of hurts is Pulisic and Hudson Odoi, which is why I kind of think Tuchel's tried him at wing back because he knows long-term they're not going to really work elsewhere. I mean, they could work as, you know, quote-unquote strikers with a partner. But, I mean, it's pretty clear Timo Werner and Lukaku would be that pair if we had to deal with it. You know, what that means for, you know, Kai Havertz and Pulisic and Hudson Odoi, I don't really know. But, you know, Mount, Ziyech, those guys, they can play in behind, make it more like a 3-4-1-2, and it could work. It could definitely work. And, you know, it could even kind of morph back into a 3-4-3 because of how Timo Werner is able to play wider if we need that. Yeah, I think that's the one um, aspect that this team has that really benefits us is that flexibility. We haven't been able to see much of it, as you mentioned, because we've had those injuries and all that this year. But I think this team is able to play in a number of different formations and we've got all those different players. And that's credit to Frank Lampard, because that's something that he really emphasized was we essentially every player we were buying under Lampard could play in numerous different positions. So um, I do agree in the sense that it hurts guys like Hudson Adoy and Pulisic and, um, and, and that's, you know, the sacrifice you have to make. But if that means that we can get guys like Lukaku and Werner firing, I would take that 10 times out of 10 because those guys are the most important players in our team right now because of the fact that we aren't scoring as many goals that we need to, you know, I can't wait for the day where it all clicks in for this team and Thomas Tuchel can get us scoring goals at a late rate in which man city does. And we've got the defensive solidarity of Liverpool. And I think, you know, there's a lot of talks and we mentioned it earlier. Thomas Tuchel has made mistakes, um, the fact of the matter is Saul is not, has not ever been, and will not ever be a number nine. Um, and that's, that was one of the biggest mistakes that we made against Everton. Um, but he is the man, I believe, to take this team forward. Even though we've struggled, there are things like the second half adjustments we saw today that show us that he understands what this team needs. He understands what this team needs to do. We didn't see those changes under Lampard as much as we love him. And that's why he got sacked because he just seemingly couldn't figure it out. And I think the most positive thing that we've seen against Everton and Wolves is the fact that Tuchel has seemingly figured out where our problems lie. He just needs a little bit of time and some, uh, healthy bodies to get us there. Yeah, I mean, so L- Lampard did make changes until he seemingly thought he had solved the issue with this, with the four three three and the dual eights that we tried last year. And you know, when the results turned on that formation, he didn't want to change anything. He, I, for whatever reason, he thought he had solved it, which is my issue with Tuchel. And the three four three now is like we haven't played well for over a month, for you know getting close to ten games now, 
you know, three, four, three did a lot for us, but at some point you need to say like, all right, let's try something different because this isn't working anymore. And, you know, maybe that's the three, five, two, even if we can't get it exactly how we want it. Um, you know, maybe it's like a four, four, two, you know, Tuchel changed formations a lot at Paris St. Germain, and he hasn't really done that too much with us. So I don't know exactly what's happened between those two points, but yeah, right now I just think we need a little more flexibility with our approach because it's just not working well enough right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that's a little something we'll touch on when we circle back to the questions that we have from our viewers. Um, just real quick, we've got two matches coming up. We've got Brentford in the Carabao Cup quarterfinal, and we've got Aston Villa on Boxing Day. Um, we're not going to dive too deep into these simply because I personally don't think either will be played. And I don't think that's because of Chelsea's situation. I think it's because of Brentford's situation and Villa's situation. Um, both have had games postponed. I know Brentford is not expected to be ready for this. I know manager Thomas Frank has already called for this match to be postponed. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, just real quick, if those two matches do get played, what do you want to see from Chelsea? What threats do you think those two teams pose? Well, I mean, Brentford seems to turn up against everyone, no matter who they're playing. So that's definitely going to be a tricky one if we can't get over whatever funk we're currently in. And we're going to have to play, you know, the Walking Dead or whoever's able to actually get out there. Um, Villa, I'm kind of less worried about just because they're they're still kind of learning under Gerard. They're trying to get out of their own funk. But I'm kind of with you. I don't really – I think one of these games is going to be played. I'm not going to say which. I don't know which. But I think one is definitely going to go on. Um, You know, for the Brentford game, because it's an EFL Cup game, it's going to come down to the FA and what they decide. And I think they've already set the precedent of if a team is unable to play, they forfeit in the Cup. I think they've done that. For some reason, I want to say they did it with Spurs. Perhaps. I know Spurs had their conference league game suspended against Wren, I believe it was. I don't know about the EFL Cup, though. Yeah, for some reason, I feel like an earlier game in the league got canceled because Spurs, their opponent, couldn't play. But, you know what? Uh, I, think, I think you're thinking of the – are you thinking of Leighton Orient, their game? Yeah. It yeah. was last year, and I think – I think they did give Leighton Orient the forfeit. Um, just, but I think that's less clear because I think that was a third or fourth round game. And then obviously when you're talking about a team, I think Leighton Orient was in league one at the time, if they're not now. Um, I apologize to all the tens of Leighton Orient fans out there that are listening to this. Um, so I think it's less clear cut now with Brentford in the fact that you've got two Premier League teams who played out to a 1-0 game a few weeks ago. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you in the sense that I think that game will get canceled. Uh, well, you, one of them will get canceled, one will get played. I think it'd be trickier to cancel a Boxing Day match just because of what it represents. Yeah, so that, that was my thinking. Yeah, I, I think if we play one, it'll be Villa. Um, and you know, Villa has played us close this year and I think, and that was under Dean Smith. So I think it, it'll be really interesting to see how we play against Steven Gerrard's new side. Um, yeah, that, that's really all I have on those two. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add on those games? No, just, I mean, should they be played? I really want the, uh, I, I want every trophy. So, you know, don't lose to Brentford in the EFL cup. We also need to stop screwing up in the league, so don't lose to Villa either. But, you know, I'd rather have silverware than finish third in a three-horse race. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm I'm with you. I think – and I, I think Tuchel agrees with us too, you know. Uh, we are in every tournament to win it. We're not going to 
send kids to the club world cup in a few weeks um nor do i think we should i think i'm i'm greedy in that sense i want every trophy i don't care if it's the efl cup i don't care if it's the community shield i want to win the community shield although it's not necessarily a trophy in my eyes but that point is neither here nor there so just getting into our questions um we had two fan questions kind of a late call this week so first from dean the bard he said what are your thoughts on Saul, uh, yay or nay? So I'll let you take that one first before I get into my thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, he did he did well today against Wolves, and you can't take that from him, but he's done well in other games, and then he's come back and just looked completely awful. Like, I, I think it's fair to say that we just got that one wrong. I don't, I don't know how we got it so wrong, but we got it wrong. Um, I don't know why Tuchel keeps using him, other than maybe he was kind of Tuchel's choice. But that's just a conspiracy theory I have because how he's been playing up until like today has simply not been good enough to justify being played at all. Um, I mean, I remember him a few years ago and how good he was. And then he had that injury and, you know, at Atletico Madrid, he kind of shuffled around positions and he just hasn't looked the same. But for now, it's a nay unless just something magical happens in the back half of this year. And even then I still wouldn't buy him. Yeah, no, I definitely wouldn't buy him. Um, and I don't, you know, everyone wants to talk about sending him back in January. I don't know what the rules are there. I don't know if we can or not. Um, I think the one thing I will say is confidence is everything in football. And Saul really hasn't had a manager over the last two years. Cause he and Simeone had a falling out. I really don't think he's had a manager publicly say like, you know, you're the guy that I want. You, you, I know you can do it. And I think when Tuchel stood up for Saul after the Everton game, because he got he got some abuse after that game, um, I think that might have lit a fire in him. I hope it did. Right now, you know, I think we'll continue to see Saul for the next few games, uh, should they be played, just because we've got a lack of options elsewhere. Um, but I think confidence is everything. I'm really hoping that this is a turnaround. Uh, I think the game against Everton was the worst game he's played to date. And that's really hard to choose from because he's had a lot of them. He's been yanked off at halftime twice. Um, but I, I'm with you. I'll say nay. I just, I hope he can turn it around. And I think these next few games will be really key for him because whatever you think of him, uh, he he did play well today, and I think he was a difference maker in the sense he he did we did see him play that Jorginho role again. Um, I believe I can't remember for the life of me the last time he did that. It was in a game a few weeks ago. He got taken off at halftime, and he just oh you know what it was Watford, and he just didn't play well. Um, he was more involved in that Jorginho role today, and you said uh, he dropped back into the defense a few times, and he really allowed Conte and Kovacic to go forward. So I, I think he was important today, and I really hope we see that. But overall, it's a nay for me. Um, going into our final question, uh, Wilsma said, do we need reinforcements in January? And if so, who? So what are your thoughts on that? Say Will Smith, like the Will Smith? No, Will Smith. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, it's really easy to say right now that we need reinforcements when we're missing so many players from injury. But my problem with signing a player because you have injuries is, you know, how long is that player going to be injured for? And then you're creating other issues. You know, if Chilwell comes back in January and we buy a left back, you know, where does that leave us with Marcos Alonso? Where does that leave us with Ian Matson? You know, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me to go out and buy a left back when, you know, we could recall Ian Matson, I believe. I haven't seen anything that says otherwise, like I have with Gallagher or Gilmore. Um, you know, I don't – Alonso is not always the best player, but he is at least a player we can use right now. And we have other players we could put at left wing back if we absolutely needed to. So I don't think we need a signing there. I don't really see how we need a midfield signing when it's almost certain at this point Gallagher is coming back next year in some capacity. Uh, you know, maybe Gilmore comes back in some capacity, and there's others. 
we definitely don't need an attacker because we have too many attackers as it is. And, you know, if we bring anyone in, at some point, someone's going to have to leave. You know, maybe guys like Ziyech and Polisic are more on the bubble than others. But, you know, if you bring up, if you bring in anyone, someone's going to have to clear out at some point. We can't just keep adding in attackers. Um, defenders, we could probably do with an eye, an eye looking forward. I know. Liverpool used to have a policy that they would buy their players in January so they'd have a few months to get used to the team before they became the guy. So, you know, if Ruder's leaving, if Christensen's leaving, if Ospilicuitz is not extending, maybe if Silva's not extending, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to bring in defenders now just to get them kind of used to how things work. Um, but, yeah, I and unless there's just like a super great deal in January, I don't see us doing anything super crazy. Yeah, I don't think we'll do anything crazy. Um, you know, I mentioned it to a few people earlier, and I, I saw it on uh, Prince Rupert's Tower, our Everton um, counterpart at Fansided. They mentioned, I think, Luca Dean to Chelsea was a rumor that they were seeing. Obviously, it's not going to be a reliable source, but he's been um, kind of pushed out by Rafa Benitez. So, obviously, I think that's a pipe dream would be to sell Marcus Alonso and bring in Luca Dean. That's me personally speaking. That'll never happen. The fact of the matter is, is we're not going to buy. I don't know off the top of my head how old Luca Dean is. I think he's 25. Um, I, we're, we're realistically not going to go get someone like that when we've got Ben Chilwell and you mentioned Ian Matson. So I think any left wing back signing is not going to happen. It's, it's unrealistic. Um, as for the midfield, I think if we sign a midfielder, it'll be because we've got one eye on the future. Um, you know, Aurelian Tuchemeni from Monaco. I don't think he'll be available in January. I know a lot of people are high on him and we've got eyes on a few other people. Apparently uh, I think Frankie De Jong is also one of them over at Barcelona. Those guys are guys that you keep an eye on thinking that Conte's time is coming up, that Jorginho's time is coming up, which I don't think we've seen much of that. You know, everyone wants to sit here and play FIFA career mode, but that's that's not what we are. We don't just push guys out the door as soon as they turn 30 and they have a few injury problems. So um, Connor Gallagher is the future, and I think that's priority number one there. Um, and then we've also guys got guys like Billy Gilmore and Ethan Ampadu who have played really well this season for their respective loan clubs. Um, in attack, you're right. I think any attacking signings would be predicated on sales. So if guys like Ziyech or Pulisic leave, then I think we could go and get someone, but I don't see that all happening in January. That's just the January window is not that active. So I, I don't think we make signings there. I think the one place we need to prioritize signings is in defense right now. You know, I've, I know, Everyone and their mothers know that I am a huge fan of Jules Kounde. I think we should have brought him in in the summer, uh, even though we kept Trevor Chalaba. I think just the development side of it and giving him more time. I know you mentioned the Liverpool way. I think giving Jules Kounde a full year to adapt to the Premier League would have been awesome. And I think we need to go out and get him in January just because you don't know what's going to happen with Rudiger. And, you know, the longer this drags on, I don't know what's going to happen with Azpilicueta either. Um, I think Silva's going to resign. I think that'll be announced soon. So going forward in defense long-term, we have Malang Sar, Trevor Chalaba, and Tiago Silva as it stands. I think Andreas Christensen will resign. Um, I know Fabrizio Romano has hinted at that over the last few days. So I, I think, but I, I don't think Rudiger stays in as Piliquet as a toss up right now. So I think priority in defense needs to be going to get Jules Kunde, who can play at either left center back or right center back. And you give him that time. So if one or both of those guys leave, you have a replacement there, or you only need one spot to fill. Because the fact of the matter is, if we go into the summer needing to fill two center back positions, we're probably going to struggle out of the gate in the Premier League next year. Yeah, I mean, there's always 
Colwell from Huddersfield. He seems to be doing really well, but you know, for there's always that jump from the championship to the Premier League, which you know didn't really bother Mount or James or Tamori until it did. So there's always that chance, and he is left-footed, so he could play on the left side. Um, but yeah, just looking back at our January windows, the last time we made really any business in January was 17-18, and we got in Barkley, who we tried to get the summer before, Emerson, um, because we needed that left-back cover, and Giroud. So, you know, of those, really only Giroud had any kind of sustained success with us. So January is really not the time to be doing business if you can help it. I agree, we should probably bring in a center back now and a center back in the summer just because of how unlikely it would be to bring in two center backs in the summer. Yeah, and I think also from a business standpoint, it makes more sense to do that because right now you look at it and uh, and I don't I don't care what people say. There are teams out there that exploit your needs, you know, um, when we were going for Lukaku this summer, everybody in the world knew we needed a striker. So Inter squeezed every last cent out of us that they could. And I think they that teams would do that in the summer, knowing that we need center backs. So, yeah, I think, and, you know, I know you touched on uh, Ross Barkley a second ago, and we tried to get him in the summer and we got him in January. So I think that's, that's something that we need to consider with Jules Kunde. I know Sevilla has said, you know, we cannot guarantee that he'll be here after January and he's played really well. So I think that is the most obvious move that we need to make. Maybe that's just me. I have my blinders on. I said in the summer we should have signed him. I wanted him all along. I think he's one of the most talented young center backs in the world. Um, so I think if nothing else, we need to go get him. Do I think it'll happen? I don't know. Like you just said, we don't spend a lot of money in January. It just, it's not something we do. So I think, um, I will say the difference with Kunde is he has a release clause. So it's not like we have to negotiate with Sevilla unless we want lower than the clause. If we activate that clause, it's all on Kunde, what he wants to do which wasn't the case in these other transfer story. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, um, I think Fabrizio Romano and other credible sources have said Jules Koundé wants to come to Chelsea. He's wanted to come to Chelsea ever since the summer. He had a personal agreement with the club. It was just a matter of transfer fee. So I think, you know, if I'm Marina Granovskaya, I take a look at this and I I make a business decision. You're going to have to fork over a little more money for his release clause but I, I think it's something that needs done. So while I do think everyone's blowing our struggles out of proportion and they're saying, oh, we need to completely flip this team on its head and bring in a new core, that's ridiculous. People are going to overreact. So do we need reinforcements in January? No, not necessarily. We've got incredible depth in this team. Do I think it would be smart to go out and get a center back and just some maybe some reinforcements elsewhere, perhaps. I just think it's important when making those decisions to look at your future. You know, uh, Levi Colwell, as you talked about earlier, uh, in the summer, he could be a viable option. So I think that's why you go out and get someone like Kunde now, because like it or not, as Piliqueta, we, we might be seeing that decline. Finally, and I think that's something that needs to be said. So, if nothing else, going to get Kunde would give us cover at right center back and still leave the door open for someone like Colwell at left center back. Yeah, I, I just had a very American slash Atlanta United thought of MLS is in its off season. Dortmund want Miles Robinson. Maybe we could fill that center back spot with another American. I mean, Miazga didn't work out, but who knows? I think uh, I think saying Miazga didn't work out is appeasing the masses and not appeasing you and I, because I, I know you yeah. and I absolutely love Matt Miazga. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's all I have. Um, did you have anything else on the transfer front, on the recap front, or anything else you wanted to talk about? Nope, I'm all set. 
Alrighty. Well, um, I just want to say thank you to everyone for listening, taking time out of your day to make us part of your day. Um, we hope you enjoyed. Be sure to tune in every Monday at 6 a.m. Central Time, and we will bring you new episodes sometime midweek. Um, make sure to go give some of our excellent contributors some uh, clicks and read some of our articles at theprideoflondon.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Pride of London, Pride O London. Sorry, uh, you can follow me at Gabe H Sports. Follow me at uh, at Trafficle. So thanks again, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next week. <laughs>